Previously on Wormwood, Sparrow and Xander Crow left Wormwood only to meet a strange demise on the road to nowhere. Jacob Kidder took on the mantle of guardian of the object, just as the demon Andremelech made his own play for the mysterious artifact. Vampires and werewolves have overrun the town, and only a few men and women of grim resolve and willful determination remain to stem the tide of rising evil. That was then. Deputy Drexel, I can hear him in the trees. Now you listen to me, Jacob. We stick to the plan. It's just like we walk through. Run for the quarry. Go. Don't look back. Henry's waiting in the quarry. Tell her not to wait. Activate the ward immediately. Do you understand? What are you going to do? Don't you worry about that, Kidder. Leave these mutts to me. made from Mama Irene's best cutlery! Yeah! Yeah! Come on! Get some! Sample this dining set, Captain Canine! You're gonna die with a silver spoon in your mouth, where biatch! <laughs> it's out of silver, brother. Unfortunate. <laughs> Not for us. <laughs> Tired of catching squirrels. He'll make a fine meal. Oh! Uh, oh, uh, I'm really kind of stringy. Not good eating at all. Irene keeps trying to put a few pounds on me. This one talks too much. Uh, make it talk about the star child. <laughs> Eat its leg, then we'll see if it talks. <laughs> I'll never talk to you, you oversized Saint Bernard. <laughs> Jonesy? What? What? What just happened? Are you carrying a sword? Yes, I've not held her in my hand for many years now. She's called Footbiter, which means Footbiter, interestingly enough. Are you. Are you wearing chainmail? It is my father's coat of armor. It's said no steel can bite through this armor. Why he put me in his armor that day, I will never know. Jonesy? What's going on? Who are you? I haven't used my real name in many years, Wayne. Long time before I was Benjamin Jones, I was Bali, son of Rodir of the Isle of Man. I am the rightful successor to the Norse Gale Queen Gormflay's throne, as she bequeathed it to my father for his part in the defeat of Brian Boru. I am a Viking prince, and I am also the coward who brought the object to Wormwood many, many years ago. Like, in the 80s? No, Wayne. Like around 1014 AD. Dang. That's pretty old.
Wormwood, a small town nexus in the strange and terrible worlds beyond our own. But what of those who live in the deepening shadows of Wormwood? Walk with us through a darkened gallery of secret lives and haunted histories as we raise the curtain on our enigmatic cast with these Wormwood Portraits. Episode 8, The Hermit's Tale, written by David Acampo. The Isle of Man, 1014 AD. Sigtrig Silkbeard of Dublin has come for his audience. Send him in, Bali. Well met, Lord Brother. Aye, well met, King Silkbeard. Bali, fetch us some mead, boy. The king must be parched from his long journey. Yes, father. A fine boy you have there, Brother, beardless though he is. He'll grow into a great warrior one day, I'm sure, like his father. Let's not mince words, Silkbeard. You not come all this way to pay compliment to my kin. Yes, I see civility does not suit you, eh, brother? Not to an Irish half-breed like yourself, Silkbeard. Now, brother, let's hear what the Lord of Dublin has to say for himself. I've no stomach for this, Hossback. You've no stomach for battle, brother. Do not fear my worth in battle. Your father knows better. I don't come here representing Brian Boru, brother. I've come for my mother. Gormflaith Ingen Murchata, eh? I hear she was once a beautiful woman. And still just as wicked, or so I hear. Ah, what does your mother want with a silk beard? Perhaps you've heard that Gormflaith has left the High King. Word of unrest has reached our ears. My mother seeks to take the High King's throne. She needs warriors, brave men such as you. We are brave, Shilkenbeard, but we are not fools. I've no need to prove my mettle against Boru's forces. She has promised the victor a grand prize. Oh? To share with her the throne. Ha! You hear that, brother? King of the Irishmen! I do not like this, brother. It doesn't augur well to fight so good a king as Brian Boru. Of course, I understand your hesitation, lords. I have been tasked with approaching Earl Sigurd of Orkney. Men say he has no fear of Brian Boru. I suppose he can share the throne with my queen, if you prefer. Nonsense! Ospak mules like a child! So good a king? Your own brother would be better, Ospak. Your offer intrigues us, sire. Let us discuss just what your gambit requires of my men. Bali, where does that mead? Here, father. Excellent. Now I need you to send word to the men.
Despite Uncle Ausbeck's fears, my father and his men sailed to Ireland to engage Brian Boru. My uncle read the runes and told my father he feared we could not succeed. My father ignored him, even as the signs became clear. What signs? On the first night, we experienced a rain of steaming blood. It washed over our ships thick and red. It was not a natural occurrence, Wayne. It was my first truly supernatural experience. It sounds gross. It was. On the second night, we were attacked once again, this time by ghostly weapons that seemed to fade and disappear in the inky blackness of night. There was no moon that night, but men fell to the bite of axe and the sting of spear. My uncle Osbeck warned my father that Brian Boru must possess an object of great dark power. Man, I'll tell you what, Jonesy, I am so sick of the object. Object, object, object. All everyone ever talks about is the object anymore. We're surrounded by vampires and werewolves and a rather suspect priest, Wayne. It's the life we lead. I wish it were an enchanted shotgun. I could understand that. I don't even know what that thing is. No one does. So what happened next? Hail of brimstone? Not quite. On the third night, a thousand black crows filled the night and attacked our ships, slicing at us with steel beaks and steel talons. We lost more men. Upon our arrival on the Irish shores, my uncle Osbeck fled. Later, we discovered he had renounced his beliefs and had been baptized by Boru's priests. He had joined the enemy. But in the meantime, our battle was engaged. Late in the day, my father returned to me. Clontarf, Ireland, 1014 A.D. Boy, here, attend me. Help your old man out. Yes, father, I'm here. Get me out of this mail. Yes, sire, the battle goes well. Ah, every time I get close to Boru's encampment, something sends me back. Elspeth was right. There's dark magic at work here. Well, what will you do? Come here. Father, what? You cut me. Drain the blood into this cup, boy. I have need of it. But, Father, what are you doing? Quiet. Loki Laufey Jarson, I call upon thee. Wolf father, originator of the deceits, calumnator of the Asir. I offer the blood of my kin that you may grant me the cloak needed to lay waste to my enemies. It works! Father, what is happening? The god of mischief helps us this day, son. You're growing younger. Yes, we might switch ourselves, Molly, that I might infiltrate our enemy's camp. My beard, it grows! Ah, we'll make a man of you yet, Molly Brody, son. Even if only for a day. Put on my armor, Molly. Stay safe. I will return once my axe has tasted the blood of Brian Boru. Lord Brother, Boru's forces are weakening. We need you on the battlefield, sire. We can beat these Irish bastards. Uh, uh, <coughs> yes? Sire, why do you hesitate? Have the gods spoken to you? Is it as your brother Ospik feared? N- no, no, I was... Assessing the plan of attack. Come, men! Onward! Onward. 
I was terrified. A boy, not even a man, a boy brazenly attempting to fill the shoes of his father for fear of being discovered. I couldn't dishonor his name. It was a different time then, Wayne. I was raised to fight, to tear my enemies limb from limb, and yet it was not who I was. I think my father sensed this. Maybe he used me to attack Baru. Maybe he was trying to force courage upon me by way of a beard. I do know the gods were on our side that day. Huh. I always had you pegged as one of those liberal, god-hating, atheist, pinko commie types, Jonesy. A healthy dose of skepticism is always a good thing, Wayne, but... When you've borne witness to true magic, there is no denying the will of gods. I remember when I thought we had a secret genetics laboratory hidden under Wormwood. Yeah, those were good times. I can't honestly tell you how I survived the battle that day. I may have been lucky. It may have been my father's chainmail. Years later, the Norsemen would tell tales of my father and his coat of mail that could not be pierced by spear or axe. But I did stay alive, and then I felt an invisible tug. I assumed that it was the magic beginning to fade. I knew this meant my father faced unimaginable horrors at the hands of the old King Boru. I let the invisible force grab hold of me, and I ran. I must have looked like a man driven to the men around me, but the truth was that I was being dragged along. Running was all I could do to keep up. It was late in the day, and the sun had begun to set. In the long shadows of the evening, I found myself in the midst of the enemy camp. I was alone now, hidden in the trees. Armed soldiers encircled the camp, but I could see... I could see old King Boru, the Emperor of the Irish. He was old and slow. He wore a long gray beard and armor strapped about him that he could barely lift. He stood in the torchlight of the encampment, and I saw my father. He still looked as I did, young, a mere image of myself, and I watched as... I, as he howled in anguish as the old man drove a knife into my father's gut. Scream, boy! Scream! No! You'll not take him! You won't! I'll kill you, you bloody old fool! It's quite a voice for a hairless pup like you, boy! Now scream! I know not why you attempted to invade my camp, boy, but you are resourceful. I wanted to keep your father at bay. But now, with you, I'll bring that offish father of yours, and I will have his head. Wait, wait, hold. Do not hurt my, my son. I'm here. Guards, bring him to me. Is that how you speak to your father? I'll never understand you, Danes. Now, quiet! Put this mercenary on his knees. Let the boy go! Is this how it all ends? If I kill you now, warrior, does my vile wife, Gornflaith, surrender in her vain attempt at usurpation? And what did she promise you, I wonder? The crown? Just let, let, let the boy go, and I will submit to your will. Indeed! Hmm, odd. I've heard tales of your prowess, brother of man. They say you were once a Christian man, but you gave up your faith and embraced pagan gods. Is this true? Just please 
Let him go. They also say no man can defeat you in battle. And yet now you beg for your son's life. Have you no pride? It is as you say. Then why don't I believe you? What? Wolf! Wolf, the quarrelsome carrier man! Yes, sire. Does this man strike you as a feared warrior of man? No, sire. He mules like a pup. Bring me the object. Sire. I sense a great magic at work here. But you know something, brother? I have my own power. Sire, here. You are a pagan, and your gods are mere shadow puppets of Satan. False gods bearing empty promises, brother of men. Mine is the kingdom of heaven. The angels of the Lord have seen fit to bequeath me a small fragment of his essence. It has no true name, no more than he himself has a name. Let the light of the Lord reveal Satan's false shadows. No! What? No! Enjoy your heaven, you decrepit old fool. I will toast you from Valhalla. Father, no! Bali, grab the object. Run. Take it. Danish bastard, you'll die! I reached into the stone casket that housed the object and I grabbed hold of it. It was a painful sensation. It burned. The light traveled up my arms, leaving strange markings. Like Jacob! Like Jacob, yes. His transformation is what roused me again, Wayne. It is time to act. I had forgotten so much. I began to run. While Wolf fought my father, I ran. I was pursued by Boru's men. I ran into the woods, but the brilliant light of the object made hiding impossible. I was surrounded. And then, just like John Rambo, you leapt up from the ground and... No, I I didn't. I was a coward, Wayne. What happened was my uncle Osbuck. Don't come any closer. Hold, man. Uncle? My nephew is no fighter, but he holds an object of great power. Bali, please, give us the object. That is a matter for men. Your father was driven by darkness. They've killed him. Please, Bali, give us the object. No, no, stay back. Uncle, you can't touch it. Give it to us. No, I can't stop it. The explosion killed all of the men. My uncle stirred, still barely alive. His skin was charred and cracked. He whispered to me with barely a voice. I knew what he was doing. Though he had renounced his faith that day, my uncle still knew the power of the old rituals. 
He uttered the names of gods. He offered his soul to eternal damnation, and he cursed me. He bound me to the object for all eternity. My life is that of the objects, and the object is eternal. Wow, Jonesy. I had no idea. I always thought you were kind of a sissy. I am Wayne. I'm a sissy. But you're an immortal Viking warrior, Jonesy! I am Connor McLeod of the Clan McLeod. There can be only one! It's not really like that, you know. Although I do enjoy the Queen soundtrack to that film. Do you know how I spent the next 20 years? Running. I left Ireland. I left the Isle of Man, and when I heard that Leif Erikson had founded a settlement in a new land called Vinland, I jumped on his ship and headed there. I left Vinland, which you now know as Newfoundland. Uh, yeah, Newfoundland, of course. And then I made my way into what would eventually become the United States. That was an amazing journey, Wayne. This land unspoiled by the industry of man. You could walk across rivers on the backs of swimming salmon. I traveled across the country, carrying the object as my burden, until I reached another ocean. Wait, I know this one! The Pacific Ocean! Understand, Wayne, that at the time, this was all new to me, to my people. Another ocean. The world was too vast. I was too tired. I I traveled inland to the foothills, and there I used the power I had within me to bury the object deep in the granite of the land. In Wormwood? Long before it was called Wormwood, I lived there, befriended the Maidu people native to the region, even took a wife. They told me stories of World Maker, who created the land, and Coyote, who made it dangerous. I made sure that the area of Wormwood was known as the Coyote's footprint, where Coyote's mischief was most deeply felt. He never could get the better of that roadrunner. But if I had me some rocket skates, I bet I could. Am I boring you, Wayne? No! No, not at all! Hey, Jonesy, was the Roadrunner cartoon based on you? I don't think so, Wayne, although I did spend a summer with Chuck Jones once, many years later. He had a relative who lived in Wormwood. Huh. So you buried that thing here in Wormwood? Yes, yes I did. So this is kind of all your fault? I'm sad to say it is so. It would have happened elsewhere if not here. But you could have buried it in, like, Maine. Nobody cares about Maine. If I knew then what I know now, Wayne, I suppose I would have done things differently. As it was, the choice was not without consequences. Several hundred years after I settled here, the demon Orneus, the one you fought... The one that we totally bagged and tagged! And that killed my cousin's fiance. Yes, Orneus appeared in Coyote's footprint. He was searching for the object. He killed families of the village in which I lived. We fought. He had been followed to the west by an ambitious young Puritan, a witchfinder named Bartholomew Locke, a student of the Malleus Maleficarum, or the Hammer Against Witches. Locke was a little too soaked in the Catholic doctrine for my taste, but we made a fine team against our adversary. We trapped Orneus deep in the granite under Wormwood. It was only when Francis Griffin began to mine the land that I began to fear. Jonesy, this is... this is too much. 
I joined Griffin's men, taking the name Benjamin Jones. They called me Jonesy, a quaint title which I enjoyed. I was there the day they found the object in the quarry, and though Bartholomew Locke had long since passed on, he had bequeathed to me various grimoires of the occult sciences. I decided that I couldn't steal the object and run again. Instead, I helped Griffin form the secret order in Wormwood that has guarded the object ever since. Why are you telling me all of this now? I've been hiding for too long, Wayne. Far too long. I've forgotten more than I know, but... I can tell you that with all of these forces searching for the object, no good will come of it. I just don't get it, Jonesy. You knew all of this. Why did you wait all this time? I've never been a warrior. I was a boy who got lucky. A boy who ran. A man cursed to live forever. I tried to help Griffin form an alliance of men who could protect the object the way I never could. But it seems nothing can sever my connection to the object, and it's time to face it. But Jacob is connected now, too. He's the new guardian. No, he isn't, Wayne. The tattoos that marked me, they faded from my skin months after I had the object in my possession. There is no true guardian other than the one we make. Jacob's connection to the object is like catching a flu. He's been infected. But eventually, he's going to be just like the rest of us. Except you're, like, totally old? My uncle's curse. Jacob doesn't have it, and that's what worries me. I have to tell... We have to tell... Look, Jonesy, you have to tell all of this to Sheriff Bradley. There is no way I can keep all of this straight. Vikings, roadrunners with chainmail, the Pacific Ocean, mead... I mean, that's a lot of stuff. I know, Wayne. I'm sorry to burden you. Don't worry about it, Jonesy. Maybe sometime I'll bend your ear and tell you about the two months I was a masked street vigilante. Looking forward to it, Wayne. I fell in love with this beautiful French cat burglar. Man, she was something else. Sounds like quite a tale. But, uh, don't tell Irene about this, okay, Jonesy? You've got it, Wayne. Now, let's get moving before the wolves come back. Wormwood, a serialized mystery, is produced and distributed by Habit Forming Films, LLC, and features a talented cast of characters. Arthur Russell as Dr. Xander Crow, Sonia Perozzi as Sparrow and Rachel Nolan, Rob Grindlinger as Sheriff Tom Bradley and Don Marino, Anna Maganini as Lynette Bradley, Peggy Nolan, and Commander McQueen, Nicole Rayburn as Deidre Frost and Harmony Barrister, Peter Dirksen as Jonesy and Jimmy Details, Zachary Folks as Brent Saunders, Robert W. Allen as Special Agent Voitech, Ben Boodman as Chip Drexel and Bishop Grail, David Johnston as Deputy Wayne Drexel, David Acampo as Jacob Kitter, Andrew Ramirez as Dexter Nolan, Morgan Walsh as Sister George, Brian e. James as Miss Ginter, Samantha Turk as Henry Howe, and Joe J. Thomas as Hank Mason, Mr. Bressier, and your announcer. Additional voices provided by the talented cast. Original music compositions by Todd Hodges. The Wormwood writing staff includes David Acampo, Jeremiah Allen, Rob Allspaw, Paul Montgomery, Jeremy Rogers, and Tiffany K. Whitney. 
Wormwood created by David Acampo and Jeremy Rogers. Copyright 2009, Habit Forming Films, LLC. Wormwood is a serialized podcast drama and cannot be distributed in part or whole outside of the podcast format without written consent from the creators. For more information on the cast, creators, and individual episode credits, please visit www.wormwoodshow.com. Thank you for listening, and welcome to town. Gordon Flaith Ingen Murchara, eh? I hear she was one. Sorry. <laughs> if, if that's how you want to pronounce it, I would slay you for mispronouncing my mother's name. <laughs> four, different, <laughs> four different ethnicities. Right. Oh, let me take that one again. You've got it, Wayne. Now, let's get moving before the wolves come back. And I'm hungry. You wouldn't happen to have any bacon, would you? <laughs> no, I sure don't. I fried up all the bacon. <laughs>